Welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast, where formally off-the-table topics take center stage so you can feel comfortable, confident, and free in your body. This podcast was born out of the desire to share the intimate and necessary conversations about one of the most ignored, abused, and suppressed areas of our bodies, our pelvises. Not sure where that is? Let's put a finger on it, shall we? I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, holistic pelvic physical therapist, womb worker, and educational speaker and advocate for all things pelvic health. My hope for this show is that it enlivens listeners like you to take steps towards healing your own relationship with your pelvic space holistically for fuller embodiment and a more loving human experience. So when you're ready, let's take a deep breath and dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pelvic Pulse podcast. It is Brittany, and I'm here with my friend, Javiera, and I'm going to read her bio for you so that you understand who she is and what she's here to share with you today. So Javiera Sabarzo is on a mission to shift how we talk about, think about, and experience the birth of our children. She co-hosts a woman's circle physiological birth education classes, monthly pregnancy circle, studies and offers traditional healing body work, attends births, and raises two children. She does it all. She believes that our bodies can heal, that birth is an innate and empowering experience, and that our connection to the earth cannot be separated. Her deepest wishes are for each person to feel safe inside their beautiful bodies and for each baby to be born into this world full of love, and trust. I love that bio. Thank you so much for being here, Javiera. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Can I call you Javi through throughout this? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, first off, how are you doing today? And I know that we just talked about your monthly bleed, but yes, how is it? Um, today I'm doing good. Um, my partner took the kids, so I've had like a pretty chill day in preparation for this interview. So that was really supportive of him to do that for me. I love it. Um, yeah, I had a meeting this morning on Zoom and yeah, just been kind of taking it easy, doing normal thing. Like I had to get my passport <laughs> renewed and <laughs> get checked just from like the bank. <laughs> the life, the life things. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, but, can you share um, a little yeah. more about um, how you got into the work that you're doing right now? Yeah. So I first got into birth work and body work. Um, well, I was always like really interested in women's health. Um, I think just from like a really young age, I just realized like how um like, I, okay, so I, I was in gymnastics and I went to a, a Catholic school and so we didn't have any sex ed and um, my friends would go to these classes, um, like at the hospitals and they would do the sex ed there and um, they were telling me about like periods and getting pregnant and I was like, what? Like, you could just get pregnant whenever? Like, I was like, I don't know, eight or something, maybe <laughs> Yeah, eight or nine. And um, 
So I just think from a young age, I just realized like how um, special and like unique. I mean, yeah, just like we're different from men, you know, like women's bodies were. And I just realized that from such a young age. And um, so I I was always interested in women's health. Um, I went to an all girls high school and at that high school um, during career day, a midwife came and I had no idea what a midwife was, but I just felt called to attend that session and her showed a movie about home birth and that really shifted a whole lot in myself. And um, from that moment on, I just, yeah, started to dive deeper into like, what does it mean to be in a woman's body? Um, I never thought that I would have children, but I, in that moment, I was like, okay, if I ever have kids, I'm having them at home, even though I don't think I will, but if I ever do, that's, what's going to happen. Um, yeah, it just really started to, to shift these, um, narratives that I've been told through my whole life of like what it means to be in a, in a woman's body and what birth is like. And so, um, yeah, that happened in high school. Then fast forward into college, I got more into yoga and this, like the connection that we have to the earth and how our bodies cycle um, in relation to the earth. And uh, in my teacher trainings, I was always really interested in the pregnancy piece. Again, thinking like, I'm never going to have kids, <laughs> but just always found it to be really interesting. And then Fast forward to graduation, um, I studied dance and uh, was really interested in like rolfing and structural integration. Um, but then I got pregnant with my daughter and I just remember feeling like in this moment of like, I've been preparing my whole life for this. And just really feeling that. And so during her pregnancy, I just dove right in. Like I got all the books. I read all the books. <laughs> I did a prenatal yoga teacher training. Um, I, yeah, just like really immersed myself into it. Took childbirth education courses, found a home birth midwife. Um, yeah, so that... I think all of that together. And then after I had her and the birth experience that I had, it was so beautiful and empowering. And I like immediately when my daughter was born, I wanted to do it again because it was just the most amazing thing I had ever done in my life. And then from there, I got more, yeah, went into doula training and here I am, I guess. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Wait. So backing up just for, um, just for contextualization, where were mm -hmm. you growing up? Like, where did you go to high school and, and do all these trainings and everything? And, and then how old were you when you did get pregnant and had your daughter? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in Seattle. So most of the uh, yeah, that well, I did the teacher training in Seattle, but um, I went to school in Olympia for college. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
Yeah. So grew up in Seattle, did most of the early trainings there and then moved to San Diego. And then I forgot the last question you just asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I wanted to know how old you were when you got first pregnant with your. Oh, okay. when I got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 23 when I got pregnant and had her at 24. Okay. So I yeah, feel so like we were pretty young, but no, but I, I mean, it's that, like, yeah, but it's I, young I in the like sense of not knowing birth. all these things about, you know, yeah. birth and, and like women's bodies. And then all of a sudden, you know, being exposed to it. And at such a young age, I think, you know, when you're in high school and you're thinking about being a mom, you're not really thinking about the actual physiological process and, and birth, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you ended up having a home birth, right? For your daughter. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how was, how was the postpartum for you? The postpartum, um, with both the children was, um, the healing, like the actual, like my body healing, um, was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, yeah, just the healing of the tearing that I had took a lot longer, um, than I had imagined. Um, can you give people, yeah, yeah. Like maybe a little bit more insight on that. Not, not to, you know, expose you in any way, but. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) Um, No, I, yeah, I think it's really important to talk about because I had such a hard time finding information about what was happening to me um, specifically. So I had, um, so what I think is happening in my body is that it creates scar tissue like really, really quickly and it wants to heal fast. Like that's kind of the story that I tell myself is like, my body is really good at healing, coming back together and like knitting itself back together. Um, but because of that, um, there was no, um, so I went to see a midwife, another midwife. Um, so what happened is I had a granuloma both times. Um, so that was like an extra growth of skin. Um, so one midwife, uh, said that essentially like the inner skin, like my in my vaginal wall was like growing and there was no cap on it from like the outer skin, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like this really red raw tissue that just like, I guess was just growing and it wouldn't stop. Um, and so that happened with both and I didn't have like any, I had some skid marks is what my midwife said with my first. And then with my second, I did have second degree tearing. Um, So yeah, the granulomas were really painful. Um, I did not have sex for quite a while. Like everything was painful. Um, Anytime we tried, it was really painful. Um, Sometimes like my underwear, like rubbing against it would feel like really uncomfortable. And this happened for, I think the first time I got it fixed at like five or six months postpartum. So it oh, was wow. a long time. Yeah. Um, my, the midwife that I, you, that, um, attended me in my home birth, um, 
she didn't really have much uh, information about it. And so I went to another midwife that was in a hospital, um, a CNM, and she yeah explained that to me about the growing. And she so what they what she did is uh, she took silver nitrate and like burned the skin essentially. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it healed. I don't know, maybe a day or two, and then it was like all better. <laughs> But it took a while to get there. <laughs> totally. Sure. I was just thinking about that process of, you know, first feeling the initial stages of postpartum where everything just probably feels so brand new, especially for that first one. Mm-hmm. And then maybe trying to get back into your usual things, including sex, and then being like, something's off, something's not feeling right. And then actually then realizing that something for sure isn't going right in the healing, just physically and then to to then have like a a diagnosis like that phase of like something's wrong to this is what it is and just Mm -hmm. understanding it better I'm sure that is so frustrating for a lot of people to not be able to find answers and it taking a long time but I applaud you for actually keeping up the search and trying to figure it out and um yeah so you had that the second time did you already know then if like for that second baby and second postpartum that that was like a possibility and you knew right away that that was what was going on again yeah definitely um I was not looking forward to the healing honestly with my second just because that whole experience was yeah it yeah just not knowing like what is going on is this and like from the first having a baby for the first time, like I was also going through a lot of um, just internal uh, grappling with becoming a mom. Of Talk more like, about that. Yeah. So because sex hurt, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm never going to have sex again. I'm only going to have sex to procreate and that's it. And I just like <laughs> accepted that. Um you know, the lack of sleep and everything together, um, just becoming a new mom and just wondering if I was ever going to enjoy sex again and just being like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to have sex for procreation and that's it. And just accepting (laughs) that fate. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Um, but I think too, just, yeah, like, coming to terms with the fact that you can be a mom and still be a sexual being, because I think in our culture, there's like, you're either like a mother Mary or you're like a MILF. And it's like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Somewhere in between. There's a gray area for sure. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that paired with the pain, um, So I knew going in the second time that that was going to be a possibility um, with the granulomas and um, that is what ended up happening. And I had to go in that time uh, twice to get it silver nitrated and um, because the first time didn't work or there was just a lot more tissue that was still there that needed. Yeah, I'm not really sure why, but um yeah, not, I don't know why I had to go in twice, but it, yeah, the first time just didn't get it all. Um, and 
Yeah. So I went in twice to do that. And again, like after about two days, it was like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Except yeah. <laughs> that the second time, um, because I had a second degree tear. Okay. So with my second, I free birthed, but I did see a midwife um, during my last trimester and I had her come after the baby was born and to check out, to check me out, check the baby out. And she said I had second degree tear and she recommended stitching uh, stitches. And so um, I went for it and now learning more. Um, I don't know if I would do stitches again, just because it's adding another trauma to already like swollen and open and <laughs> tissue. And so I don't know if it was the stitches that maybe made it worse or the, the fact that it was a second degree tear. Um, but the healing with the second time was definitely uh, more intense. And so I did like all the things right away. I was steaming, using the sits herbs and doing all the things that I had been told through all this learning I had done um, in like postpartum healing. I was doing all the things and it just like wasn't working. Mm. <laughs> so that was really interesting. Um, and the midwife that I saw that time told me like, you know, maybe you should just stop doing anything and just let your body just do what it's going to do. And that helped mm. in, I think, just taking some of like, you know, just letting my body take over and do what it needs to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. In retrospect, do you feel like it was just the added pressure of knowing that you had all these, this is, this is my, um, this is my projection, but it's like mm -hmm. almost like you just know so many tools and you're just wanting to use them all and mm -hmm. you have them at your disposal and you're just like, this is going to work and this is supposed yeah. to help this. Yeah. And then, yeah, like kind of leaning out of the, of the trust of the body's innate mm -hmm. capacity to heal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, so I was going to say with that little tangent, um, so with, with the stitching, so what ended up happening is my vaginal opening was made smaller. And so that was like a whole other aspect of the healing. And that's when I went to see you, um, to see like, am I going to need to do some more intense, like, do I have to get it like re, um, cut, like what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> so that's when I went to see you and, um, yeah, we did some work with the, like stretching the perineum and then also, um, but I think too, when I saw you, I was just a few months postpartum. And so I think the tissue at that point was still a little, um, sensitive, so we didn't end up doing too much internal, but, um, yeah, just that, like mapping the vagina and just like connecting back me to my body, me to my vulva, me to my vagina. Um, that work was, yeah, really important that we did together. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people 
did you did you know that pelvic PT was an option for you with all the training that you had had, or was it just like a suggestion from a fellow colleague or a friend? Just curious. Yeah, I did do pelvic PT with my first birth, um, and the midwife recommended it. Um, so I did that with my first, um, and yeah, I don't really remember much about that experience. I think I went and saw her like a set number of times and, um, yeah, it was just kind of like, uh, typical doctor's office feeling. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we didn't really talk that much. It was just like, okay, I'm here to, yeah. <laughs> totally. I feel like, yeah, depending on the, the environment and the, the therapist themselves, for sure, you know, it's, it can feel really sterile and clinical versus, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the work that I get to do, and I'm so grateful that you, you shared this part is like, it doesn't have to be a lot of hands-on um, manual internal care. It's like just even getting to talk through certain mm-hmm. things and then empower you right through just being able to connect and look and feel in the moment and staying present with your body with whatever is coming up but yeah like you mentioned we didn't we didn't end up doing a lot of that internal care we did more of I feel like the general postpartum care that Mm -hmm. maybe also just gets overlooked and people forget that pelvic PTs also have an understanding about the entire body Mm -hmm. and yeah so I got to support you in that way and that was really cool yeah yeah I loved the um the fascial mobilization you would do on my back like with the mm-hmm, the with skin the rolling. rolling of the skin yeah yes <laughs> yes so amazing yeah so funny because some people feel that that is like torture like oh, for really? me personally oh yeah like I'm I'm part ticklish part like oh my gosh my lower back fascia is so tight to my low back but I know that that's probably why sometimes I get low back tension you know Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it it's such a magic tool to be able to help with just, you know, overall posture and, um, yeah, getting you out of the, the new mom moves, like mm-hmm. I like to call them, you know, where you're just cradling and you're feeding or, you know, just oh, snuggling yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, that's really cool. Um, I'm curious actually, if we can rewind about free birth, um, and have you share a little bit more about that empowered choice that you made. I feel like that's something I don't actually get a lot of opportunity to talk to people about because I don't know a lot of people who have done it besides Mm you. Yeah. So I first heard about free birth and unassisted birth um, when I was, sorry, there's a fire truck going by. Um, when I was uh, about 37 weeks with my first and I came across it and I was like, what, this is amazing. I could do that for sure. I'm going to do it. And then when I talked to my midwife about it, she kind of talked me out of it a little bit. And then I was like, okay, it's fine. Like I've been seeing her, you know, my whole pregnancy and she wants to use these tools. Like I didn't want any, um, vaginal checks. I didn't want her to use the Doppler, but, um, yeah, I did that. And, um, so then when I had my daughter, I knew I would have another child and 
I just decided like, that's what I'm going to do. And I have been planning, like I would write in my journal, like what kind of experience I wanted to have and why I was doing it. Um, then fast forward four years, uh, or three and a half years, I got pregnant with my second and, um, my partner was super on board with it. He was a little nervous at first. Um, and yeah, I think the main reason why I chose that was because I wanted to take full responsibility for my life. And that was also really scary. Um, because yeah, all the what ifs, like, well, what if something happens to the baby or what if I bleed out or, you know, all the fear. Um, and I just, yeah, wanted to just take full responsibility. Um, and that, that thought or that thinking, um, has been, yeah, spread to other areas of my life too, of like taking responsibility for my health, for the food that I eat, for how my partner and I relate to each other, how I mother my children, just like fully taking responsibility and knowing that I can change. Um, and yeah, so that was like the reason why I chose that. And I just also knew that I could do it and it would be whatever experience it was going to be. Um, so yeah, it was, um, pretty, pretty fast, like six hours of labor, um, compared to my first, which was like 27. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, do you want me to share Oh yeah. The story. Details, Details, girl. I feel like this is, this is where the magic is, you know, like I love hearing individuals birth stories and especially since it's a free birth, I don't think a lot of people again, get exposure to it um, because of what you were mentioning, you know, just all the what ifs and a little bit of the fear getting in the way and Mm -hmm. just to yeah, preface it. um, You know, I, I know a lot of people maybe that have done, you know, a hospital birth where it was their first time. So of course you just want all the support traditionally Mm -hmm. that you know of yeah and then maybe you know you have a different you have an experience whatever it is and then you're like okay wait maybe I need a little less help or I want like a home birth with a midwife and then you might get to this point of like a third child where then you free birth so it's Mm -hmm. just like slowly kind of coming into this knowing that your body knows what to do but yeah go go through go through the experience like when labor started and and how that, how, what that looked like really. Cause I'm picturing you guys like in your home, just you and your partner. And I mean, where was your, your daughter? I'm just so curious Mm -hmm. about all the logistics too. (laughs) Yeah. So I had, so my daughter was born at like 40 weeks and three days. And so I, so I mentioned earlier that I had been seeing a midwife during the last trimester. So the the first six months of my second pregnancy, I wasn't seeing anyone. Um, I just did my own prenatal care. I would, I bought a fetoscope and I would listen to the baby. I would, um, measure my belly sometimes, um, palpate, see if I could feel where the baby was. Um, but mostly it was just like living my life and 
eating good food and taking care of my daughter. Um, and then in the last trimester, I saw the midwife um, and actually seeing her really gave me more confidence to do the free birth. And she just was like, yeah, you can do it. You'll be totally fine. I was like, what? Okay. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Cause yeah. And, and especially now in like the politics around birth, like there are midwives out there who like strongly don't um, like free birth. Um, so yeah, that was just really cool to hear her say that someone that's sees birth, you know, almost every day, um, to say, yeah, you can do it and you'll know if there's something going on. Um, so yeah, with my son, so she actually told me, oh yeah, second babies usually come early and they come fast. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So around like 38 weeks, I was like preparing for this baby to come because she said, (laughs) babies come early a second time but by 40 weeks I was still pregnant by 41 weeks I was still pregnant and I got almost to 42 weeks with my second and that whole part was such a mind trip of I thought I was gonna have this baby like why am I pregnant for so long is there something wrong like all these things started to come up again um, fears that I thought I had already worked through. Um, so yeah, so that was really interesting to navigate that time. And I felt like I could really, um, empathize with my clients that I've had in the past who have gone to 41, 42 weeks, and they have these doctors telling them like, you're going to kill your baby and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So all these stories are coming into my mind. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's like a pretty common thing to hear. Um, so yeah, just working through that. And then the last week or so before I gave birth, I would wake up every morning with contractions, thinking it was going to be the day. And then by nighttime, they would go away. And that happened for a week. And the so the Saturday, I woke up and again, contractions during the day. I was like, okay, it's it's going to be the same thing. And by midday, I noticed that they were starting to get more consistent and more intense. I was like, okay, this is a little different, but I'm just going to keep doing my day. I took out um, all of our plastic bags and paper bags that are in our pantry. And I started folding them, (laughs) like making them neat for some reason that was like my nesting <laughs> that I did oh my gosh that's too cute <laughs> yeah like very not useful but it kept my mind busy <laughs> now we just throw the bags in there again right. so <laughs> um yeah so then my daughter my grand or not my grandparents her grandparents my parents were visiting And they had taken her to the aquarium. They had come home. And like that whole last month of my pregnancy, I had been going to the beach like pretty regularly, maybe a couple times a week. And I was swimming in the ocean. And my partner's uh, parents have a pool at their house. So I really wanted to go swim. So I 
we packed up our bags and drove 20 minutes over there. And as we're driving over, I'm like questioning if this was a good idea or not. And uh, we get there and um, I started to feel like more fluid down in my vagina. And I thought that maybe my water had broken or something was going on. And when I was there, I, I also saw blood. I got the bloody show. Um, so I stayed out of the water and then just finally decided that I was going to go in and I swam for maybe an hour or so contractions slowed down and, um, ate a really humongous meal. And then we went home and they still, they were still there, the contractions, but they had really slowed down and weren't very intense. And so I just went to sleep maybe about like nine or 10 and woke up at 1:45 and used the bathroom and there was more blood and I had woken up from a contraction. So at that point, I, from 1:45, I didn't go back to sleep and just labored by myself most of the time. I went out into the living room and set up this little like space for myself to uh, lean over the couch, kneel by the couch, and um, was just walking up and back and forth between the living room and the bathroom. And then about, oh yeah, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and just saying, I can do this. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> just Bad trying to ask. Yeah. Hype myself up. Um, <sighs> and went back into the bedroom, maybe about 3 AM. And at this point, um, Ryan wakes up and cause I'm starting to like move around a lot and make some sounds and he gets up and gets me some bone broth and, uh, coconut water and is, feeding me. And, um, yeah, it started to get more intense and every contraction, like I started to find a rhythm. That's pretty common thing to do when you're, um, in the birth process. And so my rhythm was, uh, bouncing on the ball, feeling the contraction come on. I would stand up, reach up high to grab. I have these like, um, small windows, but they're, yeah, like about where my hands land. And so I would reach for the window and just pull down. Mm. So I was hanging. So I would do that. And then about mm, five, I start to make really loud sounds and my daughter wakes up and she's just watching for a long time. And it was really funny because I was trying to be really normal in between the contractions, <laughs> like asking her if she needed anything or oh. if she wanted to eat breakfast or if she wanted to get dressed. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Trying, like, to, trying to play it cool. You're like yeah. wiping the sweat from your brow and you're being yeah. so sweet to her. And <laughs> totally. did she have an, an inkling though, that something was going on? Oh yeah, yeah. Because during the contractions, I was making really loud. She's like, "What's loud that, sounds. mommy?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
quickly pausing our conversation to let you know that I'm now partnering with an absolutely magical and local to San Diego company called Monthly Rituals. My podcast guest, Dr. Kayleen, is a naturopathic doctor and she hand creates these herbal blends, salves, and botanical elixirs in her own apothecary. She's like straight up Hermione Granger. I've been personally using their pelvic steaming herbs and botanical teas right before my period comes to help balance my hormones and ease into my bleed. And I do almost a weekly ritual with the breast salve as I get ready for bed, especially around luteal phase. And I've also used the mind elixir for the moodiness and anxiety on a particularly stressful month, and it worked serious wonders. Like any sign of PMS, angstiness was gone. I can probably go on and on, but I want you to see and feel the difference for yourself. Honestly, the products themselves are so damn beautiful. You'll probably want to get the Transform Ritual, which is a bundle that allows you to explore diverse mediums of healing, including the entire collection of potent elixirs, loose leaf tea, nourishing salves, vitalizing steams, and a restorative soak for your bath. I'm just so in love with this local woman-led company and what they stand for, particularly with honoring our cyclical nature and doing that through our plant allies. Head over to their site, which is beautiful, monthlyrituals.com, and use the code BRITTANY in all caps, spelled B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y, at checkout for $5 off your entire purchase. And now, back to the episode. And we had talked about it a lot. Like I really prepared her for birth. Um, I really wanted her there and she wanted to be there. She would practice um, with me throughout my whole pregnancy, like her catching the baby. <laughs> Stop. That's yeah. so precious. Yeah. She really wanted to be there. And uh, so then, right. And so I had um, maybe four other women that I could have called. And there was, we had one friend who's a traditional midwife. She was my midwife for that time. If I wanted her there and Ryan asked me if I want, if he wanted, uh, or yeah, if I wanted him to call anyone and I just kept saying, no, no, it's too early. It's too early. And, um, then he said, well, do you want me to call my sister to get Inara? And I was like, okay, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and so he called her and she woke up miraculously because she said her phone was on vibrate on the other side of the room. Oh wow! And yeah. So she woke up and said that she would come and get her, come get Inara. And, um, so she got her about 6 a.m., 6.45. And as soon as Inara left, like it, it just felt like the right thing because she was starting to get a little overwhelmed with everything that was going on. And Ryan's attention was fully on me. Um, it was a it was it was a big experience to do it alone. Uh, not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> it was huge. And um, as soon as Inara left. I let out this like giant scream. Well, I felt like it was giant. I Ryan recorded the birth and I wasn't actually being that loud, but you always feel like you're being a lot louder than you actually are. Mm -hmm. um, 
But from my perspective, I let out this like giant scream and just got really primal. And um, yeah, I felt like I was holding back a little bit to, yeah, not overwhelm my daughter. And so, yeah, so she left about 645 and he was born at 750. So that, Mm. that hour was like the most intense and at one point, um, I was laying down on my side and I started like grunting, like at the end of the contraction. And Ryan asked me if I was doing that on purpose. And I said, no, it's just, my body's just doing it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm pushing. And so I got up and I, with my daughter, I birthed her standing and I really didn't want to birth standing again. I really wanted to be on my knees. Um, close to the ground so that I also wouldn't tear. And um, so I got on the ground and decided that I should check my cervix. And so I did. And I put my fingers inside of myself. And in that moment, realized like, I have no idea what I'm feeling for. I have never felt an open cervix Mm. and felt this hard thing on my fingers and I didn't know what it was and then I realized like oh that's my baby's head and I yelled again and said that I'm I'm scared and Ryan was really sweet and just rubbed my back and didn't really say anything about what I said and I really appreciated that because I think you know, maybe if someone else was there, they might've been trying to like make it better, but he just let it be. And that's what I really needed. I just needed to make the sound say whatever I needed to say. And then I could move on to the next phase of the birth. Um, and yeah, so I yelled that I was scared and then decided that I really needed to use the bathroom and Ryan said, like, why don't you just go there? <laughs> it's like, I can't just go to the bathroom on the floor. <laughs> and <laughs> so I got up, walked to the bathroom, was um, standing over the toilet with my hands on my knees. And I just feel the baby come down through my pelvis. And one thing that happened in Inara's birth was that I felt very disconnected from my pelvis, like the whole birth process until she crowned. And then I was set right into my body. Um, But that was like something that I really wanted for my second birth was to feel everything. And so I did. I felt everything standing over the toilet. I felt him moving through the pelvis. I felt like the opening of my pelvis. And I actually like heard like, like a, almost like a chiropractic adjustment, like little like cracks in my pelvis. Like like almost a, yeah. Little adjustments, micro adjustments that the baby's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it. I felt it. It was wild. Whoa. Yeah. And I put my hand right to my vulva and I started doing the, you know, like trying yes. to slow down his emergence <laughs> and that didn't work. Um, but his head popped out 
And Ryan's like, the baby's head, the baby's head. And I just told him to shush. <laughs> just shh, 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 don't say anything. <laughs> and he's he's like, I think we should move away from the toilet. I was like, okay. So I take like two steps away from the toilet with my baby's head sticking out of me. <laughs> and then I have another contraction and he just like flies out of me. Literally, it was like flies into my hands and I just catch him. And Ryan throws the, we had this little stool for our daughter. He throws the stool under me as I'm sitting down. So I sit onto the stool with the baby in my arms and it was just so amazing. And I look at him and he has the umbilical cord like wrapped all around his body like a sash. And it was a little like intense. He was so fine and cried almost right away, but then just like stayed pretty calm and just like a really beautiful, normal experience and was yeah, really proud of myself. And um, yeah, we walked over to the bed and um, told Ryan to call his sister so that they could come back. And then my parents too, he called my parents. Um, and yeah, so he's just like in my arms. We're sitting on the bed, on the edge of the bed, waiting for the placenta. Um, mm. He's like, like a really big baby like bigger than my daughter and yeah it's just such an amazing experience mm. oh, thank you so much for sharing that in like the most yeah. vivid way and I loved it I can I feel like I could see everything happening um while you were explaining it and describing everything going on so thank you for sharing it in so much detail so amazing how how mm -hmm. long did it take for the placenta to arrive or to have that birth? The placenta took, yeah, some time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it took about an hour. Mm -hmm. um, and Ryan got a little nervous at like 30 minutes. He called the midwife and was like, what do we do? Um, I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It'll come when it's ready. Um, and my mom was in the room with us at this point. Maybe they got there at like... 8 30 and baby was born at 7 50 and yeah about 8 30 my mom was in the room with us and ryan suggested that everyone leave except for me and the baby and my mom just listened to her instincts and stayed with me and she just like rubbed my back and then the placenta just plopped out <laughs> just <laughs> really beautiful and I'm so glad that she was there. Um, she was there for my daughter too, but wasn't in the room. But I'm just really glad that she was there for that part of the birth because that part can be kind of scary. Uh, I mean, it's not scary, especially if you're having um, a physiological birth, but like care providers are really freaked out about the placenta because that's when you can have like a hemorrhage and so most of the time they're like tugging and pulling on it trying to get it out as quickly as possible. Um, so I think that's why Ryan was also starting to get a little nervous, but yeah, like my mom came and she rubbed my back and it just came out so easily just, 
I don't know what I needed. My mom, I guess, in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, special. What a special experience. That sounds so lovely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just exactly what you what you needed. Just that maternal instinct and support that you could still complete this process without any other quote unquote interference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just like letting your body do its thing on its own time and Oh, so powerful. You are a badass. <laughs> Women are badasses. <laughs> Women are badasses. No matter how you choose to do a birth, it's like yeah. you're still a badass. Yes. Exactly. We're going through the whole process, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm. Totally. So, yes, incredible, incredible experience and story with free birthing. And um, I know you made another choice after. Uh, with the placenta that I think is also really like valuable and beautiful um, choice. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The lotus, the lotus birth. birth. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I don't know. Yeah. We, again, we haven't talked about this on the podcast before and um, you're the only one I've known to do it. And I think it's mm-hmm. really a really beautiful, obviously it's called lotus birth for a reason. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. Yeah. So lotus birth means that you don't cut the cord. Um, I have heard. So the way that I did it was that I um, put the placenta on. So I washed the placenta. Then we uh, put a layer of salt down, put the placenta on top and then another layer of salt on top. And we would change the salt every day. Um, And the placenta, like the umbilical cord starts to dry and then um, it just falls off when it's time for it to fall off. Um, I have heard, there's a really good book, it's called um, Placenta, the Lost, the Lost Chakra. Ooh. To, yeah, Placenta, the Eighth Chakra. Maybe it's the eighth chakra. I don't know. Something about placenta. <laughs> I mean, the lost or the eighth chakra. That makes yeah. sense to me in my body. That's... Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, but it's by Robin Lim, if anyone is interested. Um, and uh, yeah, I and in that book, I read of a story where they didn't put the placenta on salt at all. And it took about the same amount of time, like four days for the umbilical cord to dry and fall off. So yeah. um, I think the placenta or the salt just adds maybe another layer of um, protection from maybe bacteria you know, you're treating it like meat. Yeah. Um, totally. But yeah, so I think, yeah, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, and so the reason behind that is to, um, yeah, so you're, you're choosing to birth at home or birth, um, your baby as, um, uh, calm and in a physiological way where the baby is choosing their own birth date and the placenta is a twin or guardian angel, um, is what some, um, cultures have called the placentas. Like it's the baby's twin. It's the baby's guardian angel. So the baby and the placenta grew at the same time. And so it really belongs to the baby 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this, the reasoning behind the Lotus birth is that the, the, this is like the final piece of the birth that the baby gets to choose when the baby's ready to like fully land in their body in this world. And so I really love that. And I think choosing the free birth, um, was just an ex choosing the Lotus birth from the free birth. They're just extensions of each other. And, um, yeah, it was a really beautiful experience. Um, it was hard though, because you have this placenta that you're carrying around (laughs) with the baby (laughs) and my son, like it, it was just, yeah, he was born in the summer. So he was naked most of the time, which made it easier. Um, but he would get the umbilical cord. Like once it got really dry, like you can't move it anymore mm. and it would get stuck in his toes and he would like pull it. And then it looked like it hurt really bad. Like yeah. it would pull his belly button and, yeah. So that was hard in that sense. Cause you, at some points I was like, I'm just going to break it. Like, I'm just going to break it and it'll fall off when it's ready. I'm just going to break the cord. Cause it was really hard to see him in those moments of like that pain. But, um, I have another friend who did Lotus birth and she, I talked to her about it and she's like, well, you know, like life is like that sometimes like mm. life can be painful and there's painful processes, but this is like your baby's rite of passage. It's like, okay, I'm just going to stick through it, even though it's hard at times. And, um, so maybe it was, yeah, he had it on for like five full days. And the morning of the fifth day, I looked over at him and babies play with their umbilical cords in the womb. Like they've seen this uh, in scans and stuff. They like play with it they like twist it around <laughs> like it's and... their little lasso <laughs> yeah yeah they'll play with their cord and so um yeah the morning that it it that he kicked it off um I looked over at him and he looked like he was back in the womb like I can't really explain it but like he was just in another world and I looked at him and he was going like this like like almost like he was playing with the umbilical cord again and just moving so slow and yeah, almost like he was back in the womb playing with it. Yeah. And I just feel so like blessed and honored that I got to witness that. And then um, when, yeah, Ryan came home later that day and he went to pick up the baby and he just kicked it off with his foot he just kicked it off and oh. it was like oh you're here like you're fully here now like <laughs> yeah it was just so beautiful <laughs> yeah oh my yeah. gosh that's so sweet every yeah. word about that <laughs> like he was having his one last play with it almost yeah and yeah. then he was saying goodbye or something like that yeah, that's how I interpreted it after the fact. <laughs> mm. Thank you for sharing about that. Oh my gosh, it's so it's so expanding because ever since mm. I, I think I've heard it from you, I've been curious about that for like my personal experience in the future. So mm-hmm. don't be surprised if I tap on your window a little bit about it and tap your shoulder. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, definitely. Have you helped others now since since then with either free birthing or with the lotus birth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have had, um, I supported two moms in free birth, um, mm-hmm. but lotus birth. Oh yeah. One, one was a lotus birth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are really interesting experiences for sure. Um, I was really nervous the first time because yeah, again, like all those fears coming up, what if this, what if that, And I actually got sick that morning that the mom went into labor. So I didn't end up going to her birth, which I think in the end was just how it was meant to be. Yeah. Like if it was going to be a free birth, then it would have been. Um, And I came immediately. You got sick for her free birth when she went into labor. So it was meant to be, you didn't make it to the birth, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like I mean, if you wanted a free birth, then it would you wouldn't yeah. necessarily be there anyways, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's wild. Yeah. What would you what would you suggest to someone who maybe this is their second, maybe it's their third birth and they're curious about it? Mm-hmm. Um what would you what would you say to them? What would you suggest that they they look at that they research that they do for themselves that they like any practices that help mm. you for free birth specifically yeah um that's a great question I think I would say like if you have this curiosity already like I would just go with it and just see what's there for you And maybe you don't end up choosing it in the end or, um, but yeah, like asking them like, why, why do you think you want this? Or what about this experience sounds like resonates with you? What, what do you want out of that experience? Or what are you hoping that that experience will bring you? Um, and there's a lot of great resources out there, um, in the world, like so many now, uh, just to, yeah, name a few, there's Indie Birth, Free Birth Society, both of those have podcasts, there's, um, uh, what else, herbal birth courses, um, they have a free birth little mini course, um, there's uh Monse does uh Monse almost I don't remember what her Instagram handle is but she was doing some like free birth orientation kind of things um yeah there's so much information out there um with free birth now there's podcasts um blogs like I have a home birth story blog um Mm. and I don't know if any on there are free births except for mine, but yeah, if anyone wants to share their birth story, hey, please <laughs> send Listen away. To that invitation. I yeah, love that. I would yes. love to host your story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and yeah, just to go with that curiosity and just see where it leads you. Um, I think some women really want the free birth, but then their partners are really freaked out. So. Um, yeah, I would just look at that too. Like why, what about 
that is scary to your partner. I mean, it makes sense, you know, like it's, you can't do any, like you, the thing about birth is that, yes, we have all these interventions and we have these tools, um, that can help, but in the end, like what's going to happen is going to happen. And like our bodies were designed to do this and we can do it. Yep. Yeah. It's been done. Yeah. It's been done in all the ways. Yeah. Like, all the options are there for you. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a really empowering, um, response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Also an interesting point about partners for sure. Um, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole per se. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to one day. Yeah. Just like how to support even a partner that's never maybe been to a birth, like a first time parent, yeah. obviously, you know, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's a beautiful, uh, opportunity and a task for a doula like yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who like, is not just there to support the birthing person, but like to, to help the partner if there is one yeah, and, and guide them as well. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So are you taking on clients right now as a birth or postpartum doula or, um, what are you yeah. most passionate about right now in, in helping people? <laughs> yeah, right now, uh, yeah, if it's the right fit, I would take on birthing clients, um, and mostly doing like postpartum body work. So, mm-hmm. um, I learned from a dear friend here in San Diego, um, Metzli, who does a lot of womb care here, um. And she learned from traditional midwives in Mexico and she's really amazing. And, uh, so she taught me, I've learned from her how to do a uh, womb massage. I've also learned from another midwife here, uh, Tema Mercado, um, who, yeah, she teaches belly binding and, um, traditional closing ceremonies. Um, when my daughter was, one she turned one when we were traveling we traveled down to chile where my family's from and i was able to attend a placenta encapsulation and like postpartum support uh class down there and she also taught us uh traditional closing ceremonies um so that's what i've been doing mostly right now um birth i love attending births and it's a little hard with like the toddler right now, <laughs> just Fair. finding childcare. Um, but I like the the two births that I've been to recently, it just works out. Like it always just ends up working out. And especially the second one, like it was literally divine intervention that I was able to attend that birth and so glad that I did. It was like my first actual witnessing of an unassisted birth and it was just so yeah so amazing and I all I did was just tell her that she was doing it and that she could do it and I just put towels down and didn't really say much or do anything and yeah it was yeah like we don't need anything to birth <laughs> essentially <laughs> right yeah it's so funny because my brain keeps flashing back to this episode in handmaid's tale and have you seen that show yeah <laughs> okay yeah the, like uh, june gives birth and 
just I'm sorry for anyone that hasn't seen it and maybe wants to watch it. It's kind of a gnarly show, but she <laughs> births by herself in the middle of this like empty house. And mm. you remember that? Um Mm-hmm. and she survives and it's cold as hell and then she helps mm-hmm. another um character go through birth as well um but yeah that's just so what a blessing to be able to witness that mm-hmm. I know um Dr. Zach Bush who I don't know if you follow him but yeah. when yeah so when he in one episode that he was being interviewed he was sharing about how he had even gotten into medical school and what made him interested in it Mm -hmm. uh it was watching birth it was like witnessing Mm -hmm. um midwives work and I forget exactly where he was but uh he got to witness children entering this world and watching that made him feel like whoa I need to learn more about the human body Mm -hmm. (laughs) right that's so cool yeah yeah, I recently learned more of the intricacies of like how similar birth and orgasm are. Just they're the same hormones. It's the same. Um, the uterus is doing the same thing. It's actually not contracting is what I learned because the contraction is like this, but what the uterus is doing is involuting. Mm. So it's like going like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like <laughs> your your hands go from like an open cup to then like a heart shaped yeah. And, it's like and that's what's opening the cervix. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's like inverting on itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a cool visual. I think that would help people <laughs> yeah. feel that, you know, it's like, oh, that is, it's like the, the self-emptying, you know. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, our, we're doing that in orgasm. I'm sure that's kind of what's happening when we're menstruating. Yeah. I mean, our body has literally been practicing this it's it's just a function of our anatomy to birth to orgasm to menstruate you know so oh yeah you're speaking my language (laughs) (laughs) I mean oh my goodness how how, I could talk to you forever about this stuff maybe we'll have to have you on for a second go around to get into more of these like embodiment practices where like exactly what you're talking about, where menstruation and orgasm and birth all have um, an essential role to our well-being and to, I don't know, just like our our species well-being. Yeah. <laughs> but not just that, obviously, but that's such a cool overlap and a, a way to think about that is that we were being prepared for all of mm-hmm. these things throughout our our lifespan really Mm -hmm. just the emphasis might be on different parts of that you know yeah with how I'm hearing that so (sighs) you are just a Mm -hmm. wise sage woman with (laughs) so much amazing experience and um I know that that you're gonna feel and see and learn so much more in the next you know, decade, two decades, the rest of your life. And I can't wait to keep, um, keep engaging and keep, keep interacting with, with those, uh, those experiences and with you. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for you to share all of these just epic, epic life experiences that you've, you've gotten to have. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share? Anything else that's on your heart? 
Where can people find you? Obviously, I'll link everything. But if you wanted <laughs> to share, like, what what's your preferred, you know, yeah. method and all that? Sure. Um, I have a love hate relationship with Instagram, but you can Bird. find me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> my Instagram handle is Whole Womb Wisdom. And I have that as my website as well, fullwombwisdom.com. And um, yeah, I have more information on the work that I do, the birth work and body work. Um, and then I yeah also have home birth stories on there. And yeah, you can find me there. Mm. May or may not be on right now. Instagram's deleted from my phone, but I'm sure <laughs> it'll come back. So right. Yeah. We'll just have to get your your email too so people can just flood your inbox. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> full womb wisdom at gmail.com. <laughs> there we go. Okay, everyone, you've heard it all and yeah. Thank you again, Javi, for being here with us and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. So glad to share. Thanks for listening and putting your finger on the pelvic pulse podcast. I'm Brittany Ellers. The music for this podcast was created by Justek. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts by hitting the subscribe button and share it with your loved ones if you found the episode helpful. If you haven't checked out my free womb medicine meditations or phasic community, click the link in the show notes. The meditations and community boards are the perfect place to begin or broaden your connection to your pelvic health, no matter what stage in life you're in. I'd be honored to support you along your journey.